What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Fanatic. My name is Jacob Gallipo, and we had a great week of football this past week. So there's a lot to talk about, and joining me for today's episode is Chris Dell of the Go Baller FFS Sports Podcast. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great, Jacob, man. It's happy to be on on the Football Fanatic. I love your station, and I'm ready to get, I'm ready to jump right into things, man. Ready to recap these games. Sweet. Awesome. I am very ready, too. But before that, I just want to say, uh, before we even get to the games, I just want to congratulate you. Anchor had a contest last week um, for getting the most like, most listens in a whole week, I believe it was. And you guys were either one or two. There seemed to be some sort of glitch towards the end that bumped you out of the top spot. But either way, I don't, I don't know if you got that figured out or not. But second place or first place, whatever it was, that's very impressive. So I just want to congratulate you guys on a job well done last week. I, pre- I appreciate that. However, uh... We actually didn't finish in either first or second place, if you can believe it. Really? And you can and you can keep this on, like no hard feeling towards Anchor or anything like that. But um, I believe when they, they had a new feature rolled out on Sunday that was changing the leaderboard from 20 to 50. I'm sure you've noticed it yeah. at some point now. And apparently the leaderboard reset uh, at some point before it was supposed to. So the really? rank, rankings that were up there for the final two out two three hours, I didn't get an actual timestamp on when the mistake happened or the bug happened, so to speak. But um, we finished. We were in the top ten, and then once the leaderboard reset, we shot the number one. I think it's because in the last twenty four hours we were the most active, but not in the course of the entire week. Um, so they they actually announced today. Kevin Touch, my man KT, shout out to him. Congratulations on that. Like he's been hustling hardcore on the app. He got yeah. the first – he was first place before it had reset. And actually, the, the standings before it had reset were the exact same way it finished. So, second place was Crazy Asian, and third place was Positive Vibes. But we're going to try to regroup, man. We, we got in the top ten, and it was only from a few days of hustling. So, we're going to try to, you know, hustle a little harder this week and try to see if we could play better, man. You know, just keep grinding. Awesome. Yeah, congrats to Kevin Dutch, I guess, then. But either way, you guys are placing very well, and I know – we're doing, they're doing another contest this week, and you guys are placing pretty well in that one too. So I just, either way, I'm just, I just wanted to say you guys are doing a great job with your stations. So keep that. I, up. Pre- I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate the love from all the fellow sports stations and non-sports stations on Anchor. It's like if you show people time and attention and appreciation, they show it right back. And you usually don't get that on like you know other social networks like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. But I feel like the Anchor community is more engaged than than most apps out there these days, and I think that's really cool. So it's it's awesome to be able to collaborate and connect with you and obviously all the other every every sports station it seems is very unique on our on the anchor community and i really like that a lot yeah i agree there's a lot of really cool people on here a lot of great interactions so if you guys anyone listening is considering starting a station on anchor or just joining anchor and listening to other stations there's a lot of great people here lots of great stuff so I encourage Absolutely. you to check that out all right so we'll start off uh thanksgiving was the first of our games in this week and there were three of them we're going to start with minnesota and detroit um, so the Minnesota Vikings win this one 30-23 and advance to 9-2. and And Case Keenum continues to perform very well. He threw two touchdowns and rushed for one in this week. Teddy Bridgewater has come back from injury, however. Um, the Vikings said that they are going to continue to roll with Case Keenum as the starter, but he's still on a short leash um, for Teddy Bridgewater to come back despite how well he's played this season. What do you think about that whole quarterback situation in Minnesota? I think it's very interesting. Uh, I think the leash has grown a little bit lo- a little bit longer, so to speak, after these last you know two to four weeks for Case Keenum. He's been absolutely on fire. He's looking like the college quarterback at Houston, at the University of Houston, that set all those records when he was in college. He set records with his arms, with his legs. I think uh, those records still stand today, if I'm not mistaken. 
And I always thought he had that potential of kind of being that mobile quarterback, but he really had to get that chance. And he's showing it right now, and he's proven it. And not just playing average with that great of a defense and run game there and offensive line, but playing above average. And I think that shows his true talents. I I don't see Bridgewater. I think Case Keem at this point now, especially with especially with the Vikings sitting at nine and two, he's going to have to play extremely poorly. Uh, you know, a Nathan Peterman type game in order to get benched at this point. Especially now we're getting in the thick of things. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I do think it's interesting, though, because the coaching staff would not commit to Case Keenum past this next week. So I <laughs> apparently the leash is shorter than uh, – either they're just being a little coy or the leash is shorter than we realize. But I do think that he's earned his playing time. He played very well along with the rest of this offense. Adam Thielen, 8 for 89. Stephon Diggs at 5 for 66. Uh, and Kyle Rudolph caught two touchdown passes. So they're just there's a lot of weapons on this Vikings team offense and defense. That's – I mean – their defense obviously is a part of it, but Case Keenum and the offense is a big part of why this team is nine and two. They're very well balanced right now. Yeah, they, I, th- I think they have a Super Bowl defense. The question is, how good is their offense? Is it good enough? It's looked good enough recently. I, and the thing that surprised me the most is the run game. Like I thought once Dalvin Cook went out, uh, you know that that the run game was going to really struggle, and it did for a few weeks. But Latavius Murray's began began about twenty touches the game. He had twenty carries for eighty four and a touchdown in this one. McKinnon's obviously very talented third down back, so th- they're making do despite the injuries, it looked like Bradford and Dalvin Cook were going to be the two main cogs of the offense, and they're still, you know, reeling off victories even with just these guys. It's very impressive. Yeah, with Murray, I didn't really think – I didn't see that much from him when he was with Oakland, so I wasn't expecting a lot from him in Minnesota either, but he's been playing very well, and that's kind of surprised me. But, um, yeah, he's performed very well, and it's helped another way to bring balance to this offense and to this team as a whole. It's a big reason that they have the record they do. And for the for the Lions, Marvin Jones was the biggest surprise to me. He was going up against uh, the star corner Xavier Rhodes for the Vikings, but he still manages to catch uh, two touchdowns and 109 yards on the way. Like, how impressive was that? Some of those catches, if you watch that game. Yeah, very impressive from Marvin Jones. I mean, I'm a I'm a Cincinnati Bungles fan, and I saw him for a few years playing behind AJ Green. It's too bad that we let him go. We had a really nice trio with him, Marvin Jones, and Sanu as our top three for a minute, but. Uh, but, yeah, man, he, he's just proven uh, with these games that he's one of the top five to ten receivers in the league, and you, it's, it's hard to deny that right now. He's got a good quarterback throwing him the ball. Um, he's, he's a very unique type of receiver with a combination of kind of height slash size and also his breakaway speed. Uh, I, I think expect more of this from Marvin Jones. I don't think it's just like a fluke or any type of fad or, or whatnot, you know? Yeah, he is on a four-game streak of five touchdowns, I believe it is now. So he's he's playing very, very well. Um, and then the other, other than that, the rest of the team, there wasn't anything super impressive. Uh, Golden Tate had only four catches for seven yards, so nothing much from him. Nothing much from the running game either. Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah continue to split the work, and there's not really that much work to begin with, so not a whole lot there. Right. Um, yeah, and then the other thing, Matt Stafford, um, he went down with an injury in this game. He came back to play, but he is, go- he is kind of going to have to push through an injury here. I believe it was his ankle that was the issue. So he's going to keep playing, but do you think that's going to hinder him going forward? I mean, the Lions need Matthew Stafford as healthy as possible. Obviously, they're better with him than without him even hurt. But, uh, you know, looking at their 6-5 and five now, uh, you know, they're struggling at home, man. He figured that at home in that dome they'd be playing well, but they're 2-4 and four at home this year. And obviously, they still have a chance for a wild card spot. But you wonder now, like, what does Detroit really do – all that great. It seems like they don't have anything that really separates themselves. Except maybe wide receiver talent. Obviously, they got some talent there, but they're sitting at eighth place overall in the, in the NFC if the playoffs were to start today. 
and a full a full game behind Atlanta and Seattle for those wild card spots. So you know, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but yeah, man, I think I think the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, they they need Matthew Stafford at full health, and and hopefully it doesn't affect them for Lions fans' sake. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I actually did an article a while back uh, called NFC Playoff P- uh, Picture. So if you guys haven't listened to that, I recorded, I read it, and then I posted that as a podcast episode. So y'all can check that out if you want. But I have the Lions as my number six spot in the playoffs, not because of the way they're playing, because I agree there's not really anything they do exceptionally well, but they just have a very easy upcoming stretch of games, whereas some of the other teams have some harder ones, like the NFC South. We've got the Saints and the Falcons and the Panthers, who all have a very good record. And I forget which of those teams it is. I believe it's the Saints that have five of their upcoming six games are all divisional games. Like, it's crazy. So I, th- their records are going to decrease a little bit, and I think that opens up the door for the Lions to come in and sneak into the playoffs. And pr- that's pretty much the only reason, though, I agree. They're not really anything special from what I've seen. And then we'll move on to the Chargers and the Cowboys. And the Cowboys get blown out again. They lose to the Chargers 28-6. to and the Cowboys are just now playing well. Dak Prescott has thrown zero touchdowns and five interceptions over the past two weeks. We knew that this offense wasn't going to be the same without Zeke, but I think it's worse than anyone could have ever imagined. Would you agree? Yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's looking real bad right now. You wonder if all that kind of pent-up frustration and drama is kind of leaking into the locker room, uh, and it's harder to maintain a, a positive vibe there now that people were kind of ignoring it while he was still playing, but I think you're not really seeing it. The guys don't look like they're re- very motivated, inspired. People are now saying things about Jason Garrett and how good of a coach he really is and how much of a leash he might have. seems like Jerry Jones will keep him there forever, but um, it's, a case, it's a classic case here of, like, the, the hottest team versus the, you know, not in the, yeah. versus the coldest team with the Cowboys. And the Chargers, you know, these teams are both five and six after this game, but headed in completely different directions. Rivers looked – that was one of his best games of his career that he had on Thanksgiving, 434 yards. And, um, you know, the Cowboys, obviously, they, they got a lot to think about. I think as much as people want to put blame on Dak, he's literally their only uh, promise and shining light right now, even though he's been struggling. I still – yeah, he's not going to be Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but he's his own quarterback. I still think he's got a lot of talent. They, they just they just need some help, man. Hopefully it doesn't tank too bad from here, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I agree. Prescott just doesn't have a lot to work with right now. Des Bryant has been has not been playing like his usual self. And I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans and fans of other teams that are questioning whether he's really as good as a lot of people have assumed he is. Um, and then the running game of, without Zeke, even with their good offensive line, they haven't really been able to do as much there either. So Prescott just doesn't have a lot. What you said, though, the Cowboys and the Chargers, the same record but completely different directions. While the Cowboys are on a losing streak, the Chargers, they started off the season 0-4 and, and are now 5-6, and 6, only one game back from the division lead, which is by the Chiefs, who started off the season 4-0. and 0. So they started four games back after four weeks. Now they're within one game. They are playing very, very well. And Keenan Allen is on a tear right now. 11 catches, 172 yards, and a touchdown in this game. He and Rivers have really established that connection they had a few years back before Allen got hurt. Yeah, Keenan Allen's looked like he, he's looking back to be the number one guy that he was a few years ago. And I, I agree with you 100%. There are 14 targets in this game. I mean, might as well throw him 20 targets at this point in the game. The, guy, the guy's looking like pretty much unstoppable on that side. And, uh, no, I, I mean, I agree, man. It's, it's crazy that, they're, that the Chargers are one game behind the Chiefs, that the Chiefs keep being stubborn with their uh, personnel, especially with the quarterback decision and not moving to Mahomes. I think it's just going to – you're going to see that continue to struggle. I think teams are figuring out how to uh, 
slow down Alex Smith in that sense. Uh, some of the gimmicks they were running earlier in the season just aren't working anymore. And uh, even with a guy like Tyreek Hill on that team, they don't know they don't necessarily have like any possession receivers to move the chains, you know. Um, so so it's it's tough, man. I, th- I think the Chargers are in a much better spot now, and even just one game behind, I think they're going to easily be able to surpass them. And that division at, at the beginning of the season looked like it could be the best in the league. Now it's looking like it could be one of the worst, right. not the worst. So it's crazy, it's crazy how things change that yeah. quickly. And uh, yeah, Ke- Keenan Allen is just a straight B. And just real quick on uh, Des Bryant, yeah, he's 29 years old, going on 30, and. Uh, it's, it's, his athleticism is what really carried him as an elite receiver, and maybe it's just not there anymore. You lose that half step, quarter step, all of a sudden you go from being one of the top ten wideouts in the league to being just one of those guys. And hopefully Des Bryant finds a way to kind of reinvent his game. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm, he's definitely not looking like the guy you want to have as your number one wideout you know, for a playoff team, that's for sure. And Terrence Williams has kind of taken the um, – I shouldn't say the lead role because Des Bryant is still the number one guy there. But Terrence Williams has been getting more catches and more yards as of late. And, I mean, Terrence Williams isn't really a guy to be overly excited about either. So, um, not great things right. over there in Dallas. Right. Yeah, he's like a number – he's like if, if he's your number two or number three guy, you're, you're looking pretty good. But if he's your leading receiver, then you know you're struggling in yeah, that area. definitely. All right. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Chiefs. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that game later. We should probably do the last Thanksgiving game before we get to that one. So, the third Thanksgiving game this weekend was the Redskins and the Giants, and the Giants continue. Um, they did actually win – um, if it was last, I forget if it was last week or the week before when they beat the Chiefs. But other than that, haven't been playing well this entire season. They lose to the Redskins twenty to ten. And I don't know if you, saw, I think you have the Fantasy Life app, so you've probably heard this already. But the Giants, at least as of this recording, half an hour ago, about they decided Eli Manning is no longer the starter for their for their team. They're going with Geno Smith as their starting quarterback for the remainder of the season, or not the remainder. It sounds like. Um, their their rookie quarterback's going to get the starting role at some point. But right now it's Geno Smith as the starter for the Giants. It's just I, I saw that pop up on Twitter probably in the last, like, hour or two, and I, it's just hilarious, man. Like, the you know, Ben McAdoo, you know, the, if the guy has a job, you know, past the end of this season, uh, you know, Giants fans need to start protesting or something, yeah. man, because it's, it's, just, it's just terrible. Some of the, the personnel decisions he made, the whole – uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie's suspension and then bringing him back and just everything is just you know, th- this guy's obviously not ready to lead a locker room of NFL players and uh, you know maybe he just needs to sit back and learn as a coordinator maybe that's just what he's best at doing is, is being a coordinator so uh, without trying to rip Ben McAdoo too hard I think it's a terrible decision you got a two-time Super Bowl champion and that's not he's not the reason why you're losing the games you are and Geno Smith has never shown to do anything uh, he, you know even you know, when he was with the Jets and their number one pick so this is just it's just it doesn't surprise me because it's McAdoo but then it's just surprising that McAdoo's still there now so it, it's just a mess in New York man yeah you pretty much summed yeah. up my thoughts I mean if you're gonna take away like Eli Manning is number two in consecutive quarterback starts only behind Brett Favre. And that's something that there's something to be said about that, especially when you consider he's got two Super Bowl victories over the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. Um, and I agree, he's not the problem with this team. If you look at the personnel around him, they've got Wayne Gallman and Orleans Dark with splitting carries, not Paul Perkins, not any of those guys that they used to be there. They lost their top three receivers. Sterling Shepard has been around, but he's been having migraine headaches. He's just like they don't have weapons anywhere. And they, right. it's. Uh, yeah, I agree. Eli Manning's not the problem. And especially if you're going to take him out for a guy, maybe you do that if you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes where he's going to be the starter in the future. But you take a guy like Geno Smith, like surely he's not the future. 
you don't why would you give why would you take out a guy like Eli Manning and put in a guy you know is not going to be your long term starter at any point? It just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I just looking at the the box score for that game for the Giants and Redskins Thanksgiving night, and yeah, it's like fourteen of Eli's you know twenty seven targets are are tw- fourteen out of his twenty four targets were to Roger Lewis and the rookie tight end Evan Ingram. Yeah. So that just proves your point yeah. right there. And Evan Ingram has dro- been dropping passes like crazy, and that really affected uh, Manning in this game as well. And their offense right. as a whole. So yeah, just. Uh, a lot of questionable decisions, and along with the R- Rogers Camardi suspension you mentioned, Eli Apple was suspended at one point. Uh, Norris Jenkins was suspended at one point. So all three of their top corners have been suspended at one point or another. I believe they're all playing again now. But like, I agree, it just doesn't seem like McAdoo has control of this locker room and making some very questionable decisions. I have to agree with that. Um, yeah, and and on the on the flip side, I got to say that the other team in that game that won the Redskins, they got to be the best team in the NFL with a sub five hundred record. I still feel like this team has the talent uh, to make a playoff push, even though they're sitting a few games out. They're number eleventh overall in the NFC, but only two games behind that wild card spot. I think if one of those teams makes a push, my money and my bet would be on the Redskins out of guys like the Lions, Packers, Cowboys. I think Washington could could surprise some people here in these last five six games. Yeah, I very much agree. I, that was another thing I wrote in my uh, NFC Playoff Picture article is the Redskins. They are a very good team, but they have had an incredibly difficult schedule. The last five games, they went up against the Eagles, who are 9-1, and one, obviously. The Cowboys, this was before they lost Zeke, so they were playing well. The Seahawks, the Vikings, and the Saints. And then they've also played the Rams, the undefeated Chiefs at the time, the Eagles again. Like Their schedule has been incredibly difficult. And to show that they're still 5-6, and six, even with all the injuries they've had too, like they've been playing very, very well. And like, even though their record doesn't show it, it's a lot better team than they have shown. Yeah. And then we, even with the, all the injuries they've had, you know, especially to Rob Kelly and with the running back situation they've been dealing with. I mean, yeah, it does. they're like the Notre Dame of the NFL. They've just got like a crazy hard schedule and, you know, maybe things will lighten up a little bit, you know, it's like be, to be battle tested going into that point in the season, if they could finish, Nine and seven, uh, you know, go four and one the rest of the way. They, they they could have a shot, man. Yeah, definitely. I think the NFC is a lot more competitive than it has been in years past. So it seems kind of unlikely, at least at this point, that a nine and seven record will get in. But either way, I think the Redskins have played very well, and they probably are more deserving than some of the teams that will make it. But yeah, I, it's obviously not going to work out that way if they have a worse record. But I think they've played very very well up to this point. Kirk Cousins has played well. Um, at least over these past few weeks. He did struggle uh, for a while earlier in the season, but he's playing well now. Jamison Crowder has finally uh, become the receiver that at least some of us hoped he would be before the season started. He had seven catches for 141 yards and a touchdown in this game, and he's stepping up in the absence of Terrell Pryor and all those guys who have had injury issues and whatnot. I feel like they should have been – yeah, and no, I agree. I was going to say just about the receivers real quick. I, I, it's like why, why haven't they been throwing the ball to Crowder like this the whole season? I feel like he's always been their That's what, most talented guy. But maybe, maybe it was just like trying to force feed it to Pryor, and that just did not work out at all. It's kind of weird how that happened. Yeah, I've been wondering that this whole season. I picked – Crowder was one of my sleeper picks in the drafts a lot uh, for fantasy this year, and he just – it never panned out until now. And, I mean, at this point, I've cut him in most of those leagues. So. <laughs> long, long drops. Yeah, yeah long drop, Mr. Crowder. So we'll move on to the next game, uh, first of the Sunday games, the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Falcons continue their winning streak. Uh, they win 34-20. to 20. Matt Ryan threw for one touchdown pass, but Julio Jones caught two. You know how that happened. Mohamed Sanu 
takes one attempt. And I don't know if you saw this stat. Mohamed Sanu, it was like a 60-yard touchdown, the beautiful pass. Julio Jones catches it in the end zone. And Sanu, uh, in his career, has attempted six passes. He's completed all six of them for three touchdowns. It's but he was uh I believe he was recruited as a quarterback in college and ended up playing receiver, but he's played very well for them, both receiving and throwing, apparently. Yeah, and those first four years he had a few of those touchdown passes with my Cincinnati Bungles, yeah. man. You know, it's a, he I used to love when they used to run those plays. He he would uh, he he threw a, he threw a couple of them to AJ Green, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But uh you know, it's it, that's that's the kind of you know. I feel like you you only see him really play well when Jones is out. But if they could somehow feature both those guys together, like like they did this past weekend, the offense looks pretty damn good. And Sanu's one heck of a talent, that's for sure, as a slot receiver and also for those type of gimmicky plays. He's, he's a very type of smooth handed. Uh, he can wiggle between the tackles. Like he's he's a very good player in his sixth year, kind of just blossoming into his own. It seems like just now, you know. Yeah, he seems to have settled into a kind of red zone and third down. Uh, receiver getting a lot of catches and t- touchdowns in that area uh, but speaking of that touchdown throw to Julio Jones that was only one of his two touchdowns along with 12 catches 253 yards Julio Jones finally has a breakout game and I mean all season we've been waiting for this he in this game he had two touchdowns for the entire rest of the season he only had one and I mean you, you watch this game and you see how well Julio is playing and all the things that he can do like I don't understand how they can't get him the ball the rest of the season yeah, you know, hopefully they, they discovered something or figured something out. Uh, you have to take it with a little grain of salt or you know, a big grain of salt because they were playing the Bucks defense. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a team right there that's slumping pretty bad uh, as well besides the Cowboys. But, yeah, I mean, Julio Jones, like I think he reminded people like, oh, that's why I drafted Julio Jones first round yeah. of my fantasy league. Uh, uh, 15 targets. I mean, yeah, man, if you got to force feed your star players to, to make plays happen, you got to do it. Too many times you see guys or coordinators going away from the main guy because he's double covered or trying to spread the ball around to open things up. But if you spread the ball around all game, all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, game flow changes, then all of a sudden you never get your guy involved. So I, I like what I see. I think the Falcons are better off when they are given Sanu and Jones 24 out of 33 targets in the game. And what else are you going to do? Because Taylor Gabriel is more of a speedy gimmick type of guy. Austin Hooper's still very young and very raw. He has some talent, but... Uh, those are the guys right there, man. And and to be honest, it's interesting because I drafted Devontae Freeman first, that first round in my fantasy draft. And uh, I had to trade to get his backup, Tevin Coleman, as a kind of a handcuff. And not to get too much into fantasy talk, but how it relates here is that the Falcons seem to play much better when they feature one back. And you could say that for other teams too, but Tevin Coleman's looked really good as their main guy. And you wonder if uh, getting Freeman back into the mix and not really getting into that rhythm or flow on offense could set them back a little bit. They got some tough games coming up. Yeah, that'll be definitely interesting to watch because I agree Coleman has played very well in Freeman's absence. And neither one of them has really played up to the expectation we had for them going into the season. But as you mentioned, they have been splitting quite a bit of work. Um, And I'm not sure what's up with that. They've kind of changed from their scheme last year, which, I mean, obviously that partly has to do with the new offensive coordinator, but... Um, I yeah I agree they think I think they probably need to start um, or I'm sure they have started but looking back to their Super Bowl season and saying okay what did we do then that we're not doing now and getting back to that I think that's that's the one thing I think you noticed like last year like both those guys could could thrive in a in a in a single game together this year it seems like when they play together they struggle to each do their own thing so I'd like to if they can make that change and take both those guys back to elite, make their running game elite again, I think that's when you can start saying they have a legit chance to make the Super Bowl again. I think the talked, 
you know, beating the Bucks by two touchdowns is great, but I don't know if that's enough for me to really consider them a, a, as contenders yet. Yeah, and as you mentioned, tough schedule coming up. They are on the fringe of the playoff race right now. I think they're tied for the sixth spot, if I remember correctly. Um, so they're definitely going to have to continue to step up their game if they want to make it into the playoffs even. For the Bucks. I mean, as you mentioned, they're struggling. I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say about them. Doug Martin. <laughs> right, let's go on to the next recap. Let's just do the next. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, Doug man. Martin goes yeah, out with struggle. a concussion. Um, and in his absence, Jacquez Rogers comes in and gets the majority of the work. But they also had Peyton Barber come in and get two goal line carries, two touchdowns. Um, but it seems like kind of a lot of guys splitting work for the Bucks there, and none of them are particularly effective that I've noticed. I mean, really the only guy who does much of anything week to week for them is Mike Evans. Right, and, and even him, you know, like he's not he's not showing that he could be that elite receiver uh, with, you know, mediocre quarterback play. Yeah, so, you think of a guy like yeah, has, you think of a guy yeah. like DeAndre Hopkins for the Texans, even though he's playing with Tom Savage, he continues to put up big numbers, whereas Mike Evans hasn't really been able to do that as well. I think that's the that's the perfect example right there, and I think that you'd be crazy to say you would take Mike Evans over Hopkins at this point, and you would have said most everyone, probably myself included, would have said the opposite last year. Yeah, I know I would have, for sure. Um, Jameis Winston hasn't. We haven't heard word on when he's coming back yet. Probably within the next couple of weeks, but I mean, honestly, the way he's played this season, it's not really that much of an upgrade over Fitzpatrick. I don't think he hasn't really done that much. No, I think Fitzpatrick has looked better, and uh, you know that's just. I think they need to just shelve Winston, just get as healthy as get 110 percent healthy, uh, get your mind back ready, forget about the, the the lost season, so to speak. Take it as a learning experience, and I hope Jameis comes back and actually starts working on some of his flaws in the off season because uh, he just seems like he was kind of like born as such a natural athlete that he kind of is like coasts on that, and like yeah, you can be passionate and whatnot, but. It doesn't seem like he's improved any part of his game uh, over the course of his career, four, four seasons now almost. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm just not – his throwing motion's the same. He's making the same mistakes. Like, yeah, maybe he's a little sm smarter, but when he's hurt, he gets exposed. So I think Bucks fans are, are really starting to feel like, is, is Jameis the guy? And, and he, he's going to have to prove it. That's going to be a prove-it year next year for Jameis Winston. That's for sure. Agreed. He definitely has not performed up to expectations. Uh, the next game, the Bengals and the Browns. The Bengals win this one 30-16. And as you mentioned, you're a Bengals fan, so I'll just go right to you on this one. What was your uh, reaction from this game? Well, uh, first of all, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm a Bungles fan because uh, <laughs> the, the, Beng the Bengals are bungling right now, man. So, so yeah, no, nah, man, I mean, just uh, look, you know, they beat the Browns. You know, okay, you know, it is, it is what it is. The game was very close, actually, for most of that contest. The Browns were in the game competitively. And um, it just continues to, to say, I mean, Joe Mixon, that, that was the one bright light you can take out of this is that Joe Mixon played very well. Obviously, the week after I traded him in fantasy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, you gave him get literally two minutes before the trade deadline last Wednesday. I made that trade. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so, so uh, you know, A.J. Green is A.J. Green. Um, and I think if you can add a guy like Joe Mixon, but, you know, it's, it's, just, it, it's just delaying the inevitable. And that's, that's getting rid of Marvin Lewis as coach and Andy Dalton as quarterback. I've heard some rumors that uh, the Browns might actually be interested in getting Andy Dalton as their quarterback next year after the whole failed trade for A.J. McCarron happened. So that's like the only positive thing I can lean on going into the offseason because we're not going to finish bad enough to get a high pick and we're not going to finish good enough to make the playoffs. So it's kind of like middling and, and misery, so right. to speak. But uh, 
Yeah, man. I don't. I don't know. I, I, to be honest, the, the Browns. The Browns have more uh, promise right now because they can at least admit they suck and, and try to get <laughs> better. The, the, the Bengals. The, the Bengals think they're still in that kind of playoff grind mode, and, and they're just not that team anymore. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. They haven't played as well as we would have hoped, and I mean, it, they did look better than usual in this game. But as you mentioned, it's against the Browns, so I don't know how much you can take that as. Of Mark for the future, probably not much. I mean, look, look. Yeah. no, I mean, look. If you can look at just right here, like my last thought on the Bengals is that for the Browns, tough. not really a ton of note here. Uh, Crowell is finally getting going. Uh, Sixteen carries for ninety-five yards, and I I heard Matthew Barry say this, but like it's just like everybody thought. As soon as Joe Thomas went off that line, that's when they could finally get their run game going. Like it, it's really weird how that worked, but uh, they do finally seem to be able to get something going on the ground. Uh, receiving Corey Coleman three for 64 and he's had a pretty he's had some tough matchups but he's still been able to perform pretty well it seems like Kaiser has a bit of a connection with him so that's something to keep an eye on but other than that there's not really that much to say about the Browns yeah I'm excited to see the return of Josh Gordon and him you know battling alcohol and substance abuse and getting his 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 stuff together so to speak and it seems like Hugh Jackson's the type of guy who's going to believe in his guys when he has the chance to, and he's going to give Josh Gordon the full opportunity to prove himself again to whereas maybe other coaches might, you know, hope, put the reins on him a little bit in his return. So the Browns have absolutely nothing to lose. And I think that's actually best case scenario for a guy like Josh Gordon. And I guess my only question to you is, do you think that even if the Browns finish 0-16, does that mean an ax for Hugh Jackson? Or do you think he'll still be given another chance next year? See, that's a tough question because it seems like you – I, I guess you don't want to fire a coach midseason. That's never a good decision. But they gave him last year that, that was basically like a rebuilding phase, and they accumulated all these picks over this year. And I guess really only the coaching staff knows whether this year where they were supposed to break out or not or if it's still supposed to be part of the rebuilding phase. But to me, it seems like this is a team that was supposed to at least take a, a bit of a step up this year with all their draft picks and new guys they, they had coming in, but it just hasn't really happened. So um, it, it seems to me like – he would be fired, but I guess the coaching or uh, the some of the staff for the Browns organization would probably know better what Hugh Jackson's plans are and whether they've really met expectations in that way. That and and it's, it's like, w- will the Browns go to classic Browns fashion in the draft and not take the right quarterback number one, right, with that pick? Because, you know, Josh Rosen's looking like a very talented player. Could he be the one to finally break the quarterback curse? Or are they going to try to be be smart or sneaky and cute and take some guy who shouldn't be taking number one because they could have had Deshaun Watson over Kaiser. They could have had a lot of other really good guys, and they passed up on so much talent. Carson Wentz over the years. Um, I just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Bengals fan, so I never root for the Browns, but it, it hurts a little bit to see them doing this bad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I. it's incredible how how bad their franchise has been over the past few years. And I don't, I don't really know how you can possibly miss on that many quarterbacks. Like it's, it's actually insane. <laughs> it's insane. Dude, and, and the funny thing is I lived in Cleveland for two years. That's where I launched go baller as a startup. And uh, the Browns fans are extremely uh, underrated and like faithful as a fan base. I remember I live right downtown, like literally walking distance to both the queue and to the Brown stadium and progressive field. They're all in that downtown area. And man, I remember getting up a few early mornings and there'd just be crazy lines going down all downtown people waiting to tailgate and get into this. It's like, even if these guys just want seven and nine, I, I think you'd see fans show up in droves. The like Cleveland fans are just waiting for that team to turn it around. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, if you are a Browns fan, I give you a ton of credit because sticking with the team through the way they've been playing, 
that is something to be proud of. Um, and then just real quickly before we go into the next game, what do you think about Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett? I've heard rumors that the Colts are doing a complete reset and maybe even getting it rid of Andrew Luck. Do you think Brissett is a guy who can potentially be a starter for this team, or do you think they're going to look for someone else? I, I just like Brissett's the type of guy I would say all day if you're actually winning games and, and you have a defense, you have a run game. He's a smart guy. He's a, he's a game manager with that. He's very athletic. He, he reminds me of like almost like a poor man's Tyrod Taylor a little bit. I and mean, maybe, maybe, maybe a bigger arm. I, I'm not sure, but they're similar to me in, in different ways. But I think that I like Brissett. I think he's played well, uh, given, given the situations and the circumstances, but um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like, I feel like they need to give Andrew Luck another chance as long as he's healthy, uh, similar to how, you know, the Broncos had to wait so long for Manning with the neck injury and everything like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Who, it depends who you can get in there. Like you mentioned Kirk Cousins earlier and all his options. Like, yeah, I mean, you can get a guy like Kirk Cousins. I would say yes. Um, but, but the options, once a couple of these guys sign in the offseason, once Tyrod Taylor goes somewhere else, once Cousins goes somewhere else, if that happens, uh, yeah, there's a few good guys out there. But then the pool's going to dry up real quick. So uh, I think they're okay with Percet, but I think that Luck's a hands-down better option. But obviously the health is, is the key thing there. Right. Yeah, that's that's – Pretty much echoes my thoughts as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I'd be interested to see if Brissett gets a few more weapons around him to see what he can do with that. But for now, it's it's what it is. I guess that's really all we can say about that one. We'll move on to <laughs> the next game. Uh, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Titans win this game 20-16. to 16 And just, um, I don't really think the Titans are as good as their record says. They're 7-3 and three right now. But they haven't really won in blowout fashion at all. They haven't. There's not really a lot to be excited about when you look at the team. Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray splitting carries. Neither one has really done much. Marcus Mariota has also been a pretty big disappointment at quarterback this season. Like, you, It looks like the Titans will probably make the playoffs, but, I mean, do you think they really have a chance at doing well in them? Well, I, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. I, I, think the Titan, I think that entire division, actually, with the Titans and Jags, though they both have seven wins right now. I don't buy either team as, as having a chance to even win a playoff game. Um but one of them's going to get in right with the division title. So I, I think with, I think with Derrick Henry, look, I mean, the run game's struggling, but just look at this last week. It was a close game. Uh, Derrick Henry, 13 carries for 79 yards. Okay. That's decent. Not great. Not, but not bad. DeMarco Murray, 12 carries for nine yards. So he literally got 79 to nine yards. If that's not enough to like fully make the switch and finally buy into your top round draft pick, like you got to make that switch now maybe just make DeMarco Murray a goal line back. Like they, they, he kind of vultured a touchdown at the end of that game against the Colts. Yeah. But uh, I think that could be maybe something that could maybe give him a little bit of boost as Corey Davis tries to work his way in. Maybe just let the reins off on Derrick Henry, give the guy 20, 25 carries and, and maybe something will happen. They, they need kind of that spark to really prove that they're going to be a potential upset candidate, so to speak in the playoffs. I've been thinking that all season, and it hasn't happened yet. So, I mean, I guess we'll see whether the Titans actually make that decision or not. But to me, it looks like it's going to continue the way it's going. Despite Derrick Henry outproducing him pretty much every week of the season, it seems like they're committed to DeMarco Murray for one reason or another. You know what's interesting, speaking, and we kind of touched on this like for a second with Tevin Coleman and Freeman. Some coaches are just so stubborn. They don't see how having one guy in the backfield is better than having two and uh, adapting to those running styles, the offensive line and everyone around them. Uh, it, it's just, you know, you see it with, with Tevin Coleman and Freeman. When one guy is in there, as opposed to them splitting, you get into a groove, you get into momentum is a thing. 
Uh, and it just it just shocks me that the with the production the last few weeks that they don't make that change. It's just some coaching is very just so stubborn, uh, and they're just not willing to get make that switch. E- even just looking at the the Indianapolis Colts with Marlon Mack and Frank Gore, like why haven't they made that switch and start giving the young kid reps? I think it's like the coach is afraid that he could look bad for making that call. Or oh, what if my rookie fumbles three times? Or what if they do this? I think a lot of that's driven on fear of the what if, and as opposed to just taking that risk. And the teams that do take it, I, I think are a lot better off. I, I, I'd like to see a lot more of the feature back because I think it actually really helps the groove and momentum of those offenses in the NFL. I totally I, agree. And you, you, to, you made that connection. That was exactly what I was going to say next. Frank Gore and Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, I think, has performed a lot better than Gore so far this season. But the Colts remain committed to Gore as their starting running back. And I don't know why that is. Um, I'm guessing you're probably right. It's kind of fear the unknown. But, I mean, you got to get him in there at some point. Eventually, they're going to be your starter. And you probably, I mean, especially when you're a team like the Colts, you don't have a good record. There's no chance at the playoffs. You're, I don't know if they're playing for draft picks exactly, but this seems like the perfect year to throw a guy in there who's going to be your starter in the future and start getting him some reps, see what he can do, get him that in-game experience, because that's when you're truly going to improve. Like, there's only so much practices can do. It's being in games that's going to improve your improve your game, I suppose. Right. And, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, even if the guy's a little bit better of a blocker, even if he knows a few more plays – you know, who's the guy that can actually make a play and, and have a, a breakout type of play? And obviously, Mac. shout out to Marlon Mack personally, because he actually, it's funny, he went to the same high school and college as me. He's a Booker High School wow. graduate in Sarasota, Florida, and wound up going to USF and playing. He was great at, at USF for the Bulls. And uh, so shout out to Marlon Mack. Go Bulls. Go Booker Tornadoes, man. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting, fun fact. Pretty cool. We talked about the Chiefs a little bit earlier, and now we're going to talk about them a little more. They lose. Again, um, this one to the Buffalo Bills. They lose 16-10. to 10. And as you mentioned, Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. This is kind of an interesting situation. I don't think, from what I understand, they are not going to bench Alex Smith for Patrick Mahomes pretty much just because they're in the playoff race, and it's it's hard to make that much, that big of a switch for a team. Um, but then another thing that I think is interesting with this team is Kareem Hunt only got 12 touches in this game. And I get that he hasn't been playing as well as he did at the beginning of the season, but come on, he was the guy who was playing so well and like doing all like he's a talented player, and I don't understand why they've gone away from him so much. And it see, it seems to me to at least be partially correlated with their performance on the in the win column. I think it's directly correlated to Alex Smith's performance, and I think that if, if teams aren't going to respect the quarterback, then they can feel free to stack the box all day and let Alex Smith beat him deep because that's not happening most days. I think that's the classic case of what you see here. Um, I think the Chiefs go out of their way to make sure Alex Smith isn't the scapegoat, uh, which is actually it's good to see that type of support for your players because other teams are obviously you know Bills. There's a whole other situation that's kind of the opposite of that, but. Yeah, man, it's it's just uh, you need playmakers out there. Just like we sp- talked about with Marlon Mack being able to spark the Colts offense, you need somebody to spark this offense. And what are you going to do? And Pat Mahomes showed that he could play well. You know, throw him in there, you know, see what you can do. I think Alex Smith's been in this situation before with Colin Kaepernick, with, with other things in the past. I think he could. I think he's the type of guy that can handle it fine. And if it doesn't work out, he can go back in and still be that type of mentor to Mahomes. Uh, I, I think that it's just, you know, Will the coaching staff continue to be so stubborn? You know, that's just really what it is. Yeah, another coaching staff stubborn thing. I mean, it is a little different because they're in the playoff race, but I I still think it's probably, especially if they lose again next week, I think it's they're going to have to take a long, hard look at putting Mahomes in at the starter. But until then, there's not really too much to be excited about for the Chiefs. 
And then for the Bills, Tyron Taylor comes back in, and look at that. He performed well. Um, I, I still don't understand why Peterman got benched. Um, or, I mean, why Peterman came in and Taylor got benched. But they put Taylor in, they get the win. And that's just the way it's been a lot this season. I yep. really don't understand about that. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, I was just going to say a uh, quick shameless plug here for the Go Baller FFS station. My father and I, Mr. Allen Dell, the godfather, we do a uh, weekly podcast on Tuesday called NFL Quick Rants. We each take one topic we're a little heated about, and, and we just rant on it for five minutes. And last week was my Tyrod Taylor rant. It was yeah, a, little, a little extra personal because like, he, was, he was my starting fantasy quarterback. I got him back, luckily. But, uh, you know, man, just talk about being the ultimate scapegoat, the exact opposite of what we were just talking about with the Chiefs. Uh, they do everything in their power to protect the quarterback and make sure his job's not at risk, at least in the public eye. And, you know, just blaming everything on Tyrod, you know, it's, just, it's just amazing because you're still in the thick of the playoff race. Who knows? They, they could have won that game against San Diego that they got blown out in, but you're, you're never going to know. Um, yeah. And it would, be, it would be shocking to see Tyrod Taylor not start every game unless he gets hurt at this point. I agree. And, I mean, that's what I was saying before Taylor went out, too, is you look at the weapons he has, and there wasn't much there either. Obviously, he's got LaShawn McCoy, but, I mean, they didn't have Kelvin Benjamin at the time. Uh, Jordan Matthews was hurt. Charles Clay was hurt. Like, their leading receiver was Zay Jones, who's a rookie. Like, there just, there just wasn't much around him, and it's that's what you're saying, like blaming the quarterback, whereas the real issue is the lack of weapons around him. And I think they've done a little better with that now. They've got Kelvin Benjamin, Charles Clay's healthy. Zay Jones has emerged a little bit, so there's a little bit more to work with, and I think that's going to help Taylor. But, yeah, he definitely wasn't the, at least not the biggest issue on that team. I'd be really excited to see where him and Kirk Cousins end up next year if they if they leave these teams. It's looking like they will, and I think that uh, these guys could – you could potentially say both these guys are top ten quarterbacks. I know some people might hesitate on Tyrod, but the guy does not turn the freaking ball over, and he can make plays with his legs. He's a very – he's a game manager with upside that he can break plays, and that's a, that's a very rare thing to have in the NFL, even though he's not throwing for 300, 400 yards a game. I think that's the, that's the thing that kind of keeps him – away from that discussion, but uh, there's not many quarterbacks I'd rather have on my team than Tyrod Taylor, just put it that way. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, there's not he, – he's been one of the more consistent performers, if nothing else. Like, you that's, know what you're going to get from him week to week, and maybe it's not sky high as some of the better quarterbacks, the really great ones out there, but he is consistent and he doesn't turn the ball over, and that is two really important things at the quarterback position. So just, just imagine if he had an actual number one receiver to throw the ball downfield to, man. Exactly. <laughs> maybe those, some of those numbers would actually go up, you know? Yeah. If Kelvin Benjamin can ever get healthy, maybe that'll be the case for them. But I don't know. We'll have to see on that one. New England Patriots defeat the Miami Dolphins division rivals 35-17. to 17. Tom Brady chucks four touchdowns, two of which go to Rob Gronkowski, one to Brandon Cooks, one to Rex Burkhead. The ground situation is interesting for the Patriots, and we knew this going into the season. They had four good running backs. They were going to, get to be splitting work, but it seems like lately they've come more to Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis, whereas at the beginning of the season it was Mike Gillisley and James White. Man, yeah, let's, let's talk. It's, I'm sorry to keep venting about my fantasy team, but I traded away Gronkowski and Joe Mixon uh, right before the trade deadline. So they, they had about 45 combined points, and the, 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 team that, <laughs> the team that had them, the guy they beat last week, he literally thinks I did it on purpose just so he would lose. He's like, how could you trade Joe Mixon and Gronk? I was like, if you only look at what they were doing before last week, you would have wanted to trade him too, trust me. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, man, it's crazy to see what De- what Deion Lewis has been doing, man. I, I, I dropped him in fantasy a couple weeks ago because I'm like, I don't want to deal with any Patriots running back that has five different people competing for touches. But the guy is back to his prime form that he was in a few years back. 
And he's an exciting player to watch, man. Like, he packs a punch. He's small, but that guy is breaking tackles left and right, and his speed's unparalleled. It's a lot of starting running backs in the league. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing with that new two-headed monster of Lewis and Burkhead. I think they're on to something there. Yeah, and I mean, when you got so many talented backs in one backfield, you got to realize there's a reason that Deion Lewis is at the top of that. As you said, he's a very talented back. He's a powerful back. And he's got moves too. He's jukey. Like there's, there's. He's got a lot going for him. Let's put it. Yeah. So I say you look at the like the height and weight and like the the physical attributes of players, and you put it on paper. You're like, oh, Mike Gillisley all day. I'm gonna take him. But it's proven that you know on a game to game basis that Deion Lewis does all those things better than him. And yeah, man, Brandon Cooks is the one shining light that I got back in that trade. Uh, so I was happy to see him. Uh, I think. Well, Rob Gronkowski, you got to look at It's good to see him do well. However, the Dolphins, I believe, are the worst team against the tight end in the entire NFL. So he's going to – I knew he was going to do well this game. He's also going to do well in two weeks when they play the Dolphins again, the Patriots. So um, any tight end that plays the Dolphins completely blows up, it seems like, this year. I think it's, it's good to see Brandon Cooks finally emerging uh, as, like, the type of threat he was in New Orleans with Drew Brees. I think Brady's like – it looks like that's the best deep threat Brady's had since Randy Moss. And I, I think that could really – kind of take that offense to another level as the, the weather starts to turn a little cold in Foxborough. Yeah, I agree. He's been very, very good. And as you mentioned, uh, Dolphins being pretty bad against tight ends, but they're pretty much bad against anyone, it seems like. They've been playing <laughs> pretty pretty badly this entire year. There's not really not uh, a whole lot to look forward to with them. It seems like the only consistency there is Jarvis Landry. And even that isn't really consistent. Over the past few years, he's done everything but catch touchdowns. This year, he's been catching touchdowns all year. It's insane. Um, he didn't catch one in this game, but he still was the leading receiver. Eight catches for 70 yards. Um, there wasn't really much outside of him. Like, he is pretty much the shining light for this team right now, and there's not a whole lot else. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake, they both really struggled in this game. And, uh, you know, if uh, Colin Kaepernick ne- never would have worn that Castro shirt, he, he would be the Dolphins starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of funny to say, but it, I think yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, Jay Cutler's been bad. Matt Moore's been worse. Um, for the running backs, though, you mentioned Damian Williams, Kenyon Drake. Neither of them did very well. And another one of those where you got two backs who neither of them are performing very well, but I think one would perform better if he had the lead back. And that might be the case now. Damian Williams will be out for the next couple of weeks, so Kenyon Drake is going to take the lead role for this team now. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can play a little better uh, now that Damian Williams is kind of out of the picture, at least for the time being. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to see for sure. Yeah, so that's he's a guy that I have on my radar and um, have to. There's at least one league as a 14 team league. I have to start him in fantasy. So hopefully, I'm hoping he pans out. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with that. But I'll definitely be keeping my eye on that one. Oh yeah, in a 14 team league, I'm sure you could do a lot worse at running back than Kenyon Drake, especially if yeah. he's the starter next week for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Carolina Panthers take down the New York Jets 35-27, to and this was actually a really exciting game. Uh, the Jets have played better than I think most people expected this year, and they put up a fight against the now 8-3 and three Panthers. Josh McCown throws for three touchdowns, two of which go to Robbie Anderson, who put on a show in this game, made a terrific catch in the end zone. Um, I don't know if you watch this one, but Anderson goes six for 146 and two touchdowns. Is it time to consider him as like one of the – I shouldn't. I don't want to say the top receivers in the league, but like, where do you rank him among some of the other receivers? Well, I'm biased because I picked him off waivers about six weeks ago, and I've started him for like the last four weeks in a row. And there's no way I could take him out now. So kudos to Robbie Anderson, the guy. In terms of just a pure deep threat, 
uh, definitely one of the one of, if not the best pure deep threat in the league right now. Consistency because he has the size. He's he can jump up and get those jump balls. Not like a, just a burner like Deshaun Jackson, you know. Right. Um, I think that yeah, no, I, I think that I really like what I see out of that. And I think Safarian Jenkins, he's had some real bad luck. Matthew Barry talked about it on the ESPN fantasy show. That's like he's had like three different touchdowns, either bobbled or overturned or just a, a straight drop. So he's getting the targets and getting a lot of the target share in that offense. And uh, kudos to Josh McCown, still playing like a top ten quarterback. This was my upset special last week in our NFL Quick Picks podcast, but uh, didn't quite pan out exactly. But the Jets were close and. Uh, they, they better bring back Todd Bowles. I, th- I think they got some good stuff going in New York right now, definitely com- if you compare them to the Giants. I agree. This was a team I thought at the beginning of the season wasn't even going to win a game. Like, with with the this, uh, the players that he has, he's done an incredibly good job. And that's really – there's really something to be said for what he's done. And Robbie Anderson, as I mentioned, has emerged. He's gotten – Five straight weeks with the touchdown. The only other player to do that in the NFL right now is DeAndre Hopkins, as we mentioned, one of the top receivers in the NFL. So he's been playing very, very well. And as you mentioned, Josh McCown, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. I believe he's like, he's sixth in fantasy points scored by quarterbacks, if I remember that stat correctly. But yeah. That's insane. That that is insane. Remember he had that streak when Cutler went down and for the Bears, and and they had a really good defense and – uh, he, he tore it up, and then the next year he wound up getting signed as the starter for the Bucks. and the Bucks make a lot of good players look bad because the, the organization is so disorganized, so to speak. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's good to see him doing that because it's like, okay, that wasn't just a flash in the pan in Chicago. This guy's actually definitely the most talented McCown quarterback out of the bunch, that's for sure. I agree. We'll talk about the Panthers a little bit. Honestly, I don't think that – Cam Noon is that good. If you watch this game, I mean, he he completed 11 passes out of 28 <laughs> attempts. That's that's really really bad, especially for a guy who was MVP a few years ago. Maybe that's like that's the, those are those are like Eli Manning numbers right there, man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's terrible. Like I watched this game and he had so many throws that were just bad. Like Greg Olson came back in this game. He um Newton missed him wide open in the end zone. He overthrew him multiple times. He missed McCaffrey a few times. Like he just is very very inaccurate. And, I mean, obviously he's make, he makes plays because of his ability to take the ball and run. But, honestly, I don't think he's that great of a passer. Yeah, I, I agree with you 110% on that. And how good is he still even as a rusher? I, that's, that's my question. And even with nine carries, you know, getting 3.1 yards per carry for 28 yards, I mean, I don't know how many of those were scrambles. I didn't catch too much of this game. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to look at Christian McCaffrey, like, Good thing they got him going forward, but this team is—you you can't uh, not—you can't underestimate the defense. This defense is playing extremely well, and the fact that they're having such subpar quarterback play, but they're still eight and three. Uh, if they can just do something to get Cam back on track, uh, this is a team that could really be a contender in in the crowded NFC race. Yeah, I agree. McCaffrey's been a big part of that, and their defense has been the biggest part. I don't think it has really anything to do with. Cam Newton that's at this point the Panthers scored 35 points but one of them was a punt return touchdown one of them was a defensive touchdown and there were multiple turnovers in this game that end up translating to good field position so that was that was part of the deal for them and I don't know not super excited about anyone on the Panthers offense especially now that Kelvin Benjamin's gone I think really the only guys there are McCaffrey as we talked about and Devin Funches he goes seven for 108 and he's been pretty much a target monster because there's not much else they've got on that offense but not really a whole lot to be excited about for the Panthers' offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. 
Eagles take down the Bears 31 to 3 and honestly I don't there is no team that I don't I would pick against the Eagles right now like they are playing insanely well Jordan Howard and the Bears rushing attack which was pretty good darn good um seven carries for six yards for Howard a Benny Cunningham one carry for negative one Terry Cohen two carries for negative 11 they, they were playing lights out they allowed six rushing yards on 14 attempts um, and most 12 of those yards were from Mitch Trubisky on scrambles. So, like, their their run game is amazing. Their DBs are playing well. Carson Wentz, as we know, has been great. LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi have been a great one-two punch. And Corey Clement in there as well. Like, this team is so good in, like, every area of the game. Like, what what do you think is, is – does this team have a weakness? Yeah, I know. It doesn't look like it right now. Um you know, it's it's interesting the fact that even with getting Ajayi, they're still letting LeGarrette Blunt, you know, run wild. But maybe that was more more or less being in a blowout win. It'd be interesting to see in like a really tight playoff game who they're going to go to. Ajayi, Blunt, Corey Clement on third downs. Uh, those guys are all three very talented. Obviously, Ertz is a huge you know uh, emergence in the passing game this year. I know he had a really good season last year, but you know, looking like a clear cut number one or two tight end this season, hands down. And uh, you know, shout out to Alshon Jeffrey and the, you know, the old vet, so to speak, and Nelson Aguilar, the young guy, they're both playing well. It seems like every other week, one of them scoring touchdowns this past week, they both had touchdowns. So did Ertz. So uh, I think the key is just making sure Carson Wentz stays healthy. And that's, that's the key for the Eagles. And it, it looks like they might be benching their starters the last couple games of the year with the, with the role that they're on right now. Yeah. 10 and one. And I mean, yeah, I, Who, I let me ask you this, man, because like I know there's some people out there that are still not saying the Eagles are the best team in the league, but those guys only got to be from Washington, Dallas, or New York, because there's no way any person, any football fan outside those three cities that are division rivals to the Eagles actually don't think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah, like I I've watched them almost every week, and I don't think there's any way you can say that there's a team better than them. Like they're just firing on all cylinders. And because of, I mean, because of that and their, how good their defense was um, for the Bears, there's not really a whole lot to say. There's not really any offensive stats to mention. Dontrell Inman was their leading receiver with four catches for 64 yards. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about the Bears? Yeah, just let Trubisky throw it 40 times a game. I don't know why they're still trying to, like, hold the offense back in that sense. I don't know, man. It's just – uh, you know, the way they started off is just like you don't, you don't you don't see that. And I know they've kept things close with the defense, but yeah, they got nothing to lose now, the Bears. So you might as well, man, just just, just let, let it rip and just try to get Trubisky to learn as much as possible. I think the more you kind of hold back in that sense, like what are you, what are you really doing? Because you're not in the playoff race anymore. So I'd like to see them open the reins up for Trubisky going the rest of the season. Don't, don't be afraid to let him get four picks in a game, five picks in a game. It's just going to happen. You got to do it. Yeah, they've been working him into the roster, and I think it's – I agree. I think it's time they let loose. He's been in there long enough. It's time to see what he can really do. We'll talk about uh, the next game, Seattle and San Francisco. Seattle wins this one 24-13. And, I mean, the score wasn't really that close until the end. Jimmy Caroppolo comes into this game and throws two passes, one of which goes for a touchdown. Um, I, I don't know why he hasn't come in for C.J. Bethard yet. Like, Bethard doesn't play terrible, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is still – but yeah. this game, obviously a limited sample and what we saw in New England. You know, I got, I got a theory that uh, Kyle Shanahan did not want the 49ers to trade for Garoppolo. It was a GM move made by Lynch and that he it seems like he, he even after this game, he won't commit to Garoppolo as a starter. 
Uh, he did, he wouldn't say it even when he first got there, just really dismissing him. I think he still wants uh, uh, his boy Kirk Cousins to come in um, because maybe you know it's like yeah that you know this young guy, young GM, young coach, both trying to prove themselves, both with a lot of hype behind them. And I'd be really – it just wouldn't make any sense to not put Garoppolo in there because the guy's, like, shown that he could be very talented with the New England Patriots when Brady was out. Um, it's another example, man. It's like put him in there and just let it ride. I mean, even even guy, they got talented guys on offense, as you know. I mean, Carlos Hyde, yeah, he didn't have a great game this past week, but, you know, he, he's looked good for the most for most of this season. And I think Marquise Goodwin is an underrated deep threat. If you could have some consistent quarterback play, you, you could see some more good things out of Goodwin as a potential fantasy football wide receiver threat. But, uh, but yeah, man, I don't know. Like another case of a team that has nothing to lose. Like, what are you waiting for? What are you being conservative about? Put Garoppolo in there. Let it ride. To me, it's, it's, it's obvious that he's more talented than Beathard. Beathard's had a long run now to prove himself. And I know he's still young too, obviously. But, uh, you know, put it, try, try to get it. You, you need that. At this point in the season, you need that extra spark. And it's like, why not? Do it for the fans. Do it for your, you know, the, the guys in the locker room. Another another case of stubborn coaching, it seems like, right now. Yeah, I agree. Give the 49ers something to be excited about for the future because I don't think there are a whole lot of them that are too overly excited about C.J. Beathard at this point. So <laughs> I, I agree that would be something I'd like to see. And I mean, they're 1-10. in 10. What do you got to lose at this point? For the Seahawks, Russell Wilson continues to put the team on his back and get things done, even though there's not really a whole lot else around him. Um, he throws two touchdowns in this game, one of which goes to Jimmy Graham, who's just been a red zone monster throughout the past few weeks. And the other one goes to another tight end, Nick Vanette. So it seems like he likes to go to tight ends in the red zone. Um, a quiet game from Doug Baldwin. He had two for 25. Uh, quiet game for running game. Is, that's, that's nothing unusual. But, I mean, Russell Wilson's getting it done, and he's pretty much all they've got for, for our offense at least. Yeah, uh, it looks like if they can get into a groove where Mike Davis is coming off injury this week, and he looked decent or way better than the other guys have looked in his last performance, even though it was limited. Uh, if he if he can take over as a starter, you know, that's a former uh, fourth-round pick from the Niners just a year or two ago, and then you throw in a new guy like McKissick who's got some upside in, as a third down back and just get Lacey and Rawls, like have them be locker room leaders, veterans, whatever you want to call it, whatever makes them feel better, but – you need the guys in there that are, that are going to produce. I think McKissick and Mike Davis, if both healthy, are going to give them that best chance to revive the running game, so to speak. And I think that when it comes to the receivers, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, it's good to see Graham and Russell Wilson finally getting on the same page together. It seems like Russell Wilson, every other game, he's thrown to some random backup tight end. Like, where's, Luke, where, where's Luke Wilson at? I feel like he's – like, what happened to him? I don't know if he's hurt or what, but um, – Seattle is seven and four. Uh, they haven't like shocked, like blown people away, and uh, but they're right there, man. And, and Pete Carroll and the guys are, are hanging tough in that race. Yeah, this is another thing I wrote off in in my NFC playoff article. Like Seattle has Russell Wilson, and if anything happens to him, they don't really have a lot of hope because he's he's making plays, and there's not really a lot outside of him. So I he continues to perform, and that's what's keeping him in this race. That's that's pretty much my thought on that. Yeah. Um, Rams, they win a game against the New Orleans Saints, who the Saints were looking like a powerhouse, and they still look good. Um, we'll talk about the Rams first, though, since they won. Jared Goff threw two touchdown passes in this game, even in the absence of Robert Woods. One of them goes to Sammy Watkins. One of them goes to Josh Reynolds. And I guess Reynolds, was um, he's the guy who's going to be filling in the role of Robert Woods until he comes back. But uh, he played pretty well. Sammy Watkins finally got involved. Uh, the Saints' corners were both... Um, 
where both both of their starting corners were injured in this game. I think that had to do with Watkins getting involved, but uh, I'm not expecting a ton of production from him going forward, but Cooper Cup got involved, 8 for 116. I think he's the primary beneficiary with Robert Woods out, but, I mean, they've got options in the receiving game, which we didn't expect going into the season. Yeah, that's been a pleasant surprise for that team, for sure. Um, I even saw Josh Reynolds make the ESPN uh, free agent waiver wire list today from Field Yates. And uh, Sammy Watkins, I agree 100%. I think it was very smart of what you said with the two defensive backs and what the Rams coaches did to take full advantage of it. Because when you have more sound, uh, you know, veteran defensive backs playing Watkins, they know how to kind of expose his weaknesses. He's more of just a burner downfield. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you saw, I mean, nine targets, so 20 targets combined between Cup and Watkins and that. That's half the team's targets. So uh, when Robert Woods gets back, they're going to be even better. Uh, I I don't know if I'd get too crazy as a Rams fan. I think you have obviously tons of things to be positive about for the Rams. I think at this point you're starting to think, okay, are are we legit contenders to get through this push in the playoffs? And I think the Saints were just bound to lose. I mean, they, they, they had won eight games in a row. They lost their two first games of the seasons, the very good teams. You mentioned the injuries. Um, you know, Kamara has just been a straight beast uh, in that backfield. And uh, I, I still I still would take the Saints over the Rams in a playoff game because it was still, it was still a close game. But uh, definitely looking like two teams that contend with in that playoff. Fun. It's going to be very – just imagine the opening round wild card games in the NFC. It's going to be insane this year. Yeah, the NFC has some really, really, really good teams this year. Like, it's very, very competitive. The same can't really be said about the AFC, but yeah, this was uh, one of the best matchups of the week, in my opinion. Two great teams facing off against each other, and yeah, the Rams get the win, but I agree. I think in the playoffs, uh, they'll have their DBs healthy again, presumably, and I think the the veteran presence is a breeze, and a lot of those guys on the Saints are going to help, whereas the Rams, they're a very, very young team with a young coach. And I think that's going to affect them in the playoffs once they get there. But, I mean, that's not to take away anything from what they've done this season. They've been very, very good. Yeah, it's just like it's crazy because you think about it, like how, how like oh, the NFC is better than the AFC, just so you said. And then I just look at the standings right now and because the Chiefs have fallen off and no one considers them a contender right now at least. And obviously you got Pittsburgh and New England. That's two teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, The top seven teams in the NFC, you could say, have a chance to make a run. And that's more than even we're going to get into the playoffs. So uh, yeah. it's it's insane. How, I don't know how it got that lopsided, but it is. Yes. And it doesn't look like it's a flash in the pan either. It looks like this could be the same case next year. I don't know, man. The AFC is looking weak right now. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that, but it's – yeah. I, I guess I'm not really sure what else to say, but the NFC has definitely looked a lot better in, over this entire year, really, especially now that the Chiefs have fallen off. Um, we'll talk about the Saints just a little bit here. Alvin Kamara, as you mentioned, looks fantastic in this game. 188 yards on 11 touches. That's 18 yards per average carry almost. And two touchdowns. Like, Mark Ingram didn't get involved that much in this game. I think that's because Kamara was just playing so well. Like, I don't know if you watched this one, but he was making – he's breaking, like, three tackles on every carry. I'm not even exaggerating. No. Like, no, no. He's a yeah, I, yeah, he is this absolute playmaker. Uh, you know, you wonder if teams are going to start scheming more against him. Can they even do it? I don't know. Um, but the guy was, uh, the guy's like pretty much taken up where he left off in college. He was very talented there and, and he's made a seamless transition. It's crazy because, uh, if they would have never made that Adrian Peterson trade, you know, kudos to them for making that move because it seems like that would have never opened up if that was the case. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's what you're looking at right now. I was surprised Drew Brees struggled a little bit in this game. I don't think he had a touchdown until late. Um, right. 
So, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Saints are okay. Uh, I think they're, st- they're, they're still good to bounce back after this loss, obviously. But, uh, yeah, Mike, uh, the one guy, I guess, uh, when looking at the box score at least, is Michael Thomas. It's, like, kind of surprising he hasn't really developed into that real, like, true number one role in that offense. I think I actually disagree with that. I think the reason he hasn't had as big of numbers is because Drew Brees just isn't throwing the ball that much. They've, they set up a lot of screens. Like you saw, they have eight running back receptions in this game. Uh, six for Kamara and two for Ingram. Like, they just had a, a pretty big screen game. And if you look at his games over the past few, he usually gets 80, 90 yards every game. So it's nothing spectacular, but he is a pretty consistent receiver. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'll give you that. No, I'll, def- I'll definitely give you that. His yardage has been there. I guess it's really the touchdown. He had back-to-back a few weeks ago. Yeah. I think those the only touchdowns he scored were uh, against Miami and Carolina a few weeks ago. So, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, that was actually at the beginning of the year. I'm looking at the opposite way. So he's, he's had two touchdowns all year, but uh, – yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's such a talented guy when you see him out there. When he gets thrown the ball, I mean, it's like, you know, this guy could go one-on-one with almost anybody. So uh, maybe they're saving some of that for the playoffs. I don't know. Yeah, he's playing well. He just hasn't really gotten as much scoring opportunities from what I can tell. It's just Kamara and Ingram are playing so well. You saw that game a few weeks back. They had six rushing touchdowns in one game. Drew Brees didn't throw for any. And, I mean, it's just they don't need to throw the ball right now. And that that's having an impact on Thomas's upside, but – it's good news for the Saints because they can they can move the ball either way they want to. Yeah, absolutely. That's just, you know let Drew Brees just chill back there when you need when he needs to make a play he can make one. But you've seen how the Saints have been in years where they've they've had to force Brees to make plays, and now you're really using him to the best of your abilities. And it's such a smart veteran quarterback. If he doesn't have to win games and you're still eight and three, you're doing something right for sure. For sure, I agree with that. Uh, we talked about this game a little bit earlier with the Jacksonville Jaguars not playing as good as their record may suggest. They lose to the Cardinals this week, 24-27. to Blake Bortles throws a pick late in this game, which kind of seals it. But he also had two rushing touchdowns in this game, um, which wasn't really expected. And Leonard Fournette didn't really get involved. I don't know if you have really uh, too much to say about the Jaguars here, but they didn't really do – like, it was their defense that kind of kept them in this one because their offense, you look at the box score, they didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, they, they're still in perfect position to win their division and get a, a home game in the playoffs, but does it mean they're going to win it or, or really be a contender? No. I haven't thought they've been for real all year. Uh, I, I still don't, especially after this game. Um, Arizona's not terrible, but, I mean, if you can't beat Blaine Gabbert, then, you, you know, you might have some things you got to work on. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, that's, 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 there's not much besides, obviously, Fournette even struggled in this game. I mean, 12 carries for 25 yards. So, Kind of forget, put that game in the back of your mind and move on for Jacksonville. Yeah, that that's pretty much my thoughts as well. And for the Cardinals, Ricky Seals-Jones catches another touchdown. I believe that's three in two weeks now. Like, is that something that's going to continue? It seems like uh, Gabbard. I don't know. You, t- you tell me because the in our official anchor fantasy football league, the football fanatic is way better than the Go Baller FFS team right now. So in terms of fantasy production, I want you to tell me, is Ricky Seals-Jones for real or is this just a straight flash in the pan, man? I mean, I think there's probably better options out there. But it is interesting because it seems like Gabbert just likes to target the tight ends. Yeah. So that probably has partly to do with it. And I think since Jermaine Gresham hasn't really been as involved, I think that's had an impact. Um, It it depends on who's out there. But, I mean, the tight end position gets pretty ugly pretty quickly. So um, I think he's better than a lot of options out there. But I wouldn't – I don't know. In a regular 10-team league, I would say probably not. But Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the guy was apparently he's converted from a wide receiver to a tight end. So he's obviously got tons of athleticism and upside in that department. And 
I've never trusted any pass catchers from Blaine Gabbert, but it seems like this is the first guy he's like found, found that connection with. Uh, it's, yeah. it was good, it's good to see Adrian Peterson uh, have a good game. He's really struggled the last couple of weeks, but I think that's more of the game flow. Uh, as long as the Cardinals are in the game and being competitive, I think Peterson's played well. But in games where they fall, fall behind and they're predictable, uh, you know, he, he struggled. So it, it was good to see him get going. There's not there's not too many more games we're going to get to see Adrian Peterson play. So as a football fan, I just, you just got to kind of sit there and enjoy that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty good game in this one, and that's – more than can be said for the past two, three weeks. He hadn't really – he's getting consistent um, volume. He just hasn't really been doing too much with it. All right, uh, next game. Take down the Denver Broncos, 21-14. to 14. But bad news for the Raiders. Uh, Keep Tlaib and Michael Crabtree kind of get into it pretty early on in this game. Both of them are being suspended for two games after the fight. So uh, the Raiders lose their top receiver, and then they also lost – Amari Cooper, who went out with a concussion and a twisted ankle, both on the same play. So they might be going into these next few weeks losing their top two receivers, which means they only have three left on the roster. Okay, I'm just going to – this is completely random, and sorry if I catch you off guard, but take this clip and I'll tweet it. At Dana White of the UFC, get those two guys and put them in the freaking octagon and just get this shit over with already, man. Like – yeah, I want to see Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib trying to go at each other without helmets and pads. Now, these dudes want to fight so bad. They got so much pent-up anger in them, man. Like, throw Michael Crabtree into the octagon with his chain on, without his chain on. I, don't, I want to see those two guys, like, straight-up street fight, man. It's like – it was hilarious, like, to see that – my dad thought it was a replay from the from last year. I was like, I know. you got to be kidding me. That's how it looked like the same exact thing happened, man. Uh, Crabtree trying to throw punches at his helmet. <laughs> I thought I heard something about the chain. It keeps Khalid saying something about the chain again going into this week, and then I heard he pulled it off again. I don't know what the issue is there, but it definitely be interesting to see. I don't, I don't know what the deal is with those two, but and what keep to leave old chains, but I don't know something interesting there. But they'll be gone for the next two weeks, so I think it's um, it, it's going to be tough for the Raiders because they, uh, as you mentioned, the Chiefs have kind of fallen off lately, so they're only one game back in the division too, but. They've got Cordell Patterson, they've got Johnny Holden, they've got Seth Roberts, and those are the only receivers on the roster. Like, there's not a lot to be excited about there. Right, yeah, no, I mean, the, you know, Lynch has been kind of just doing his thing, you know, you know, kind of doing okay, but nothing too great. And, yeah, I think, I mean, Cordero Patterson's obviously a guy with just, like, blazing speed and a lot of upside, so can he actually do it and be consistent, you know, with those guys out? He's got the opportunity now. And, uh, you know, he, he had in the past, he was a little too young and raw for it. We'll see if he can actually maybe uh, take opportunity to that job and maybe be a compliment consistently to Crabtree and Cooper. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then on the ground, Marshawn Lynch, 26 carries, 67 yards and a touchdown. So he gets in the end zone, but averages less than three yards a carry. There's not really a whole lot there. Um, I think they're probably going to have to lean more on the ground game, at least until Michael Crabtree comes back. But, I mean, there's not really that much to be excited about there. They're not production. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, man. It's like the Raiders are one of the favorites, uh, odds-wise at least, from Vegas going into the season to be Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. And uh, it's just – I don't know. It's like they haven't lost any, like, key player to injury, um, at least on the offensive side. And uh, it doesn't seem like you can't point the finger at Lynch and say it's his fault. And, you know, he's still, he's still doing his thing as a starter. He's doing okay. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's uh, it, The fact that they're still in the playoff race, that gives you that hope. That, hey, we, if we can flip that switch somehow, we're right in the thick of things, especially in that division. 
And I, and I, I think it's either them or the Chargers that are going to emerge and take that division right now. Yeah. And for, for me right now, at least partly the way they're playing and partly the way the Raiders are playing, I think the Chargers are the better bet to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Broncos, the Broncos, the fourth team in that division, they're 3-8. and eight. They're not looking that good. And I think there's really only one thing to talk about with that team, and that's the quarterback situation. Right. Justin Lynch, he comes in to play quarterback. Uh, I think this was his first start on the year. Gets injured partway through, and he wasn't playing that well while he was in there. But he goes down. Trevor Simeon comes in, not Brock Osweiler. So they've changed quarterbacks literally like five times this year. Like, what do you uh, what do you think about the whole Broncos quarterback situation? Well, that that was uh, uh, my father, aka the Godfather's rant last week on our Quick Rants podcast. Was uh, you know just uh, Mr. Humpty Dumpty Award to John Elway because. You, you know, you obviously rode the coattails of Peyton Manning, but now it seems like he's, you know, you're you're a former quarterback. You're one of the all-time great quarterbacks. And what are you doing with your quarterback situation if you're in charge of personnel? And it doesn't – it's kind of a head-scratcher. Like, you know, did you really think Trevor Simeon was going to be the franchise guy? Or were you really just trying to take full advantage of that no-fly zone defense, which is no longer the no-fly zone defense right now? Yeah. So I think the fact that that's faded away a little bit uh, – it's exposed Denver uh, tremendously, and uh, I, I don't know what they have to do, man. It, it doesn't seem like Lynch or Simeon are the options at all. So, so what is Denver going to do now uh, going into the offseason at quarterback? They, they, they just got to figure that out. Yeah, that's definitely – I, I don't think any of those three are the guy. If there's one, it's Trevor Simeon, but nothing – none of those three have really played very well, and I didn't expect them to either. I, when I, when right. Trevor Simeon was playing well at the beginning of the season, I was surprised. And, I mean, now that he's kind of baited back to what I was expecting, I don't know. They've been, they've been better off with Tim Tebow. They've been better off with Tim Tebow right now, man. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the Sunday Night Football, we got two games left. Pittsburgh Steelers beat my Packers 31-28. to 28. Um, I'll start with – I just want to say something first, and I kind of talked to you with this before we started recording here. But Brett Hundley, I think, even though they lost – I mean, they played a lot better, I think most people expected. Brett Hundley threw three touchdowns, and this was something that I've been saying since Brett Hundley started as quarterback, is every time he gets pressured, he starts running backwards. And whenever that happens, like, the the defensive end just run around the offensive line and sack him. And that's It was really killing their drives. But in this game, he looked much more comfortable. He was stepping up in the pocket. He was making good decisions. And I think there's, even though they lost, I mean, the Steelers are a good team. And the way they played, I think there's something to be excited about for the Packers. Yeah, no, I mean, kudos to your boy, Brett Hundley, man. Yeah, turn it around. Uh, your primetime game on the road against one of the, t- you know, quote-unquote, top teams in the league. Uh, very good defense. Uh, definitely nothing but positive things to take out of it if you're a Packers fan, for sure. I mean, you didn't get the win, obviously, but, you know, technically you're still in the race for that wild card, even though it's a, the odds are a little stacked against you. But, uh, right. I mean, Hundley, yeah, he looked good. And the whole thing about, you know, staying in the pocket too long and not stepping up, I mean, that's, that's a, as you know, that's a classic kind of rookie, you know, uh, hurdling point, you know, so in, in terms of learning the game and, and becoming better at the position. Well, he isn't and a rookie, though. He's, what is it? What is his second year? No, or third year? It's his third. As well, he's the first, first uh, game he started this year, right? Because that's, uh, yeah, it's that's, been, it's been it's an issue. Like a rookie. It seems like a rookie to me. I I just yeah. remember he's not a rookie. I thought it was his second year, but yeah, I guess you're right. It is his third season. <laughs> but you got you got to learn sometime or the other. You got to get out there and learn it, man. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I definitely think good things from him. It sounds like Rodgers he had a chance of coming back. I think with this loss, they're 
probably going to be out of the playoff race, so I would be surprised to see him come back. But, I mean, seeing Hundley the way he played, there's reason for optimism for the rest of the season, even if it doesn't mean playoffs. Uh, for the Steelers, though, Ben Roethlisberger throws four touchdowns. Two of them go to Antonio Brown. I mean, is there anybody in the league better than Antonio Brown? Like, some of the catches that he made in this game. I mean, obviously, Julio Jones put on a show this week, too, but Brown just looks amazing. He went 10 for 169 yards, two touchdowns. Won me why week in fantasy, which kind of upset the Packers <laughs> losing. But, uh, man, he's so good. Yeah, he, he clinched my father's uh, playoff spot in our fantasy league as well. So, a huge game from Brown. I mean, doing what he does best, you know, being one of the best, if not the best receiver in the NFL. And uh, crazy to see Le'Veon Bell got 14 targets in this game, 12 catches for 88 yards. Even Martavis Brown, we had a Martavis Bryant sighting. In this game, I think I think once Juju Smith Schuster comes back, uh, Martavis Bryant might slide down a little bit. Uh, it's good to see him get a touchdown. You know, hopefully he's got a guy's head on straight. Um, it's like it, it, Pittsburgh and New England. Like, how they, are, are they just going to sleepwalk through the rest of the regular season? Because I feel like both teams kind of know that there's really no competition to knock them off. So there's you know, no. you, you, you're looking at them and the Patriots as getting those two first round buys, and then after that, talk about one hell of an NFC wild card weekend. That might be a snooze fest for the AFC wild card games in that first round. Right. right. Yeah, I'll definitely be more excited about the NFC teams than that one. I mean, both I, as you mentioned, the, the Steelers and the Patriots really the only good teams in the AFC, so they'll both be on bye. It's not really going to be a whole lot to be excited to watch for the AFC. But, yeah, definitely the Steelers are very, very good, though. All right, Monday night game, last one on the slate. Baltimore Ravens win 23-16 to over the Houston Texans. And uh, this just in, Tom Savage is not a very good quarterback. He threw two interceptions in this game. Um, also lost a fumble. I mean, even with that, though, DeAndre Hopkins, as we talked about, continues to produce seven catches for 125 yards. Um, pretty much the lone bright spot on the team, it looks like. Yeah, well, Savage could be the worst quarterback starting in the NFL, but I think he's got the best last name out of any quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> so you got to give it to him there. Like, I just like love seeing the word Savage on someone's back, like going onto the field. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, but, all, but all jokes aside, yeah, I mean, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is just straight killing it. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, when Will Fuller comes back, Will, Fur- Will Fuller is one heck of a talent. Uh can Savage actually find him downfield? That's the real question. But, right. uh, you know, let's just keep these guys playing well, and, and they're they're going to come out strong next year if Deshaun Watson's healthy because I thought that was a team to watch in the AFC, and uh, especially going into next year. I'm just excited to see Deshaun back, back under center for them, and hopefully he can stay healthy for that team. Yeah. And uh, speaking of not very good quarterbacks, Joe Flacco's got to be in that consideration too. <laughs> I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions in this game, but, I mean, what has he really done? Like, there's no no receiver in this game went over 50 yards. Like, they haven't really had any production on offense. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it, man. And Woodhead's back, but they're still kind of working him in. But they got to be careful of keeping him healthy, too. And I don't know if you caught that Bleacher Report episode of Gridiron Heights with the Joe Flacco looking for his elite card, his QB elite card. But that's pretty much what it is, man. He hasn't found it since he won that Super Bowl. And uh, maybe he should have never been dubbed as elite in the first place. I don't uh, think he should have. Right, no, definitely not, definitely not. And Alex Collins is a bright light for sure, uh, the Irish dancer. I, I love the jig and the touchdown dance with him. But, um, yeah, I mean, the wide receivers, you know, Mike Wallace, it, yeah, I don't know if he's should be a, a team's number one receiver anymore. I mean, he got 11 targets in this game, only had five catches, 48 yards. But uh, Baltimore's right in there in, in the playoff race. I mean, just looking at what, just what we were talking about, like how bad the first round could be, 
that means that there's going to be some maybe bad teams that win a game in the playoffs uh, this year in the AFC just because yeah. of the matchups. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But their defense is good enough to get them there, though, for sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the defense is the reason that they are where they are because their offense hasn't done much of anything. So if there's hope for them, it's their defense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, well, that's it for the games. Chris, uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, Jacob, no, I appreciate it, man. I love the football fanatic, and I appreciate you having me on. It was fun doing this again. I'll definitely do a preview in the upcoming future, whether it's in the end of the regular season or the playoffs. But, uh, but yeah, man, you can find us. Uh, you can find myself and my father slash co-host, a.k.a. the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell. You can catch us on the Go Baller FFS station. The FFS stands for Family Feud Sports. That's our weekly podcast that we do. We also have other weekly podcasts we've been putting out, such as our NFL Quick Picks. We pick our games against the spread. We have our NFL Quick Rants podcast. We're doing some college football and NBA content uh, more these days as well. So we're trying to get a weekly type of flow there. You can catch us anytime. Call into our station. Uh, my father and I are two lifelong sports writers, also father and son, who intensely debate the week's hottest sports news. So that's what you can expect to hear and expect to see on the Go Baller FFS station. And, and just, like I said, man, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you reaching out. It's always good to collaborate with you. And uh, once these playoffs start, we'd love to have you on our station and do a little interview too. So uh, definitely appreciate the love, man. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. And, again, uh, we talked about this at the beginning, but Go Baller's doing very well, and that's for a reason. They've got some great content over there. So go check them out. With all that said, thank you guys for joining us again. It's been another great episode. Hope you could come back next time for um the recap or the preview for next week there's always new stuff coming out i write some articles for ffd 260 as well so i like to read those on the podcast so definitely stay tuned for new stuff coming up um but yeah thank you guys for joining me i will talk to you all next time